Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Our economy's gone from being on the mend to on the move. They took an economy and drove it into the ground. Ultra mega Republicans. Here I am, Nancy Pelosi, saying this country needs a strong Republican Party, not a cult. And now Elon Musk. It was not correct to ban Donald Trump. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Wednesday. Lots to talk about today. And uh, before we get into the news, let me just say a lot of you are looking forward to the concert on the Common in downtown Greenville with the uh, Chicago Tribute Band, Chicago Rewired. The we needed to make a decision, and we needed to make it quick before uh, people started driving and committing and setting up. Uh, it's a big deal. So uh, because of the weather forecast looking pretty dicey for tomorrow with uh, possible rain and wind, that is going to be rescheduled. So the Chicago Rewired, we don't know when it's going to be. As soon as we've got a date, we'll announce it. But the Chicago Rewired concert uh Com, uh, concert on the common is uh, postponed it will take place and we'll let you know but uh, as soon as we have a date the democrat-led bill to guarantee abortion access nationwide failed earlier today in the senate it just took place not too long ago uh, kamala harris came in thinking that she might need to be the tiebreaker but joe manchin held his uh he, he said he wasn't going to vote for it and he held uh his uh, made a stance properly. Uh, some people thought uh, Kristen Cinema. Now she said she would not vote to end the filibuster. I don't know that she ever said she would uh, not vote to uh, for this Women's uh, Health Protection Act. But uh, this one of the reasons why Joe Manchin was against this is cut to uh, Clark is because th- this bill was not just codifying Roe v. Wade. Mm. It was uh, it was a lot more extreme than that. Here's Joe Manchin from earlier today before the vote was taken. Cut to. The bill we have today to vote on, the Women's Health Protection Act, and I respect people who support, but don't make no mistake, it is not Roe v. Wade codification. It's an expansion. It wipes 500, 500 state laws off the books. It expands abortion. And with that... That's not where we are today. We should not be dividing this country further than we're already divided. And it's, it's really the, the, the politics of Congress that's dividing the country. It's not the people. They, they're telling us what they want. And uh, it's just disappointing that uh, we're going to be voting on a piece of legislation, which I will not vote for today. National Review did a pretty thorough job of going through the bill and talking about how it was a lot more well, it was a lot more pro-abortion, a lot less pro-life than you could imagine. I mean, it, it made Roe v. Wade look okay. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was bad. For one thing, now Roe v. Wade was limited in how long you could do abortions. It started out uh, uh, you couldn't do it past the third trimester, and then uh, when the other bill came in, they uh, what was the, what was the second bill? Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Yeah, Casey. That basically said, okay, it's, it's really going to be a viability issue. But this bill that they wanted to pass the Senate, it would allow abortion all nine months of the pregnancy, right mm-hmm. up to the time of birth. And again, you've got – and if they were to do that, then it would be commonplace 
what the former Virginia governor, Ralph Northam, said that, well, you can have the, the child on the table and then we'll decide whether we're going to allow it to live or not yeah. or we just I, let it die. And I don't think that most Americans, even even people that say they're pro-choice, I, I don't think most pro-choice people go that far. Well, it's murder. I mean, it's just absolute murder of a, of a, of a living human being. Um, it, th- this bill they wanted to put through would also strike down almost all state laws on abortion, including parental consent laws that are supported by 77%, according to Gallup, 77% of Americans would support that a minor would have to get parental permission to have an abortion. They would do, do away with that. It would gut conscience and religious liberty protections. It would create a right for non-doctors to perform abortions. I mean, that's what they would always scream about is, oh, you want us to go back in the alley with coat hangers? Apparently that was in the, I mean, they didn't say it would be coat hangers, but suddenly it's not about a doctor. You're going to have non-doctors, non-MDs doing abortions. Um, It would also prohibit state laws banning sex-selective abortions. There's a law in the books in North Carolina right now mm-hmm. that says you, you're not allowed to have abortion just because you don't like the sex of the child, the gender of the child. And uh, they would have done away with that. So Manchin was right. This was a lot more than just uh, codifying Roe v. Wade. And again, it is so aggravating the way they add these names or they name these bills, the Women's Health Protection Act. Yeah. And you know, this, what was it, last well, it's been a week. Has it been a week or a week and a half? Last Tuesday, when the uh, the bill, the uh, Supreme Court opinion was leaked, right? So, so you know this bill here. It, it's been in their pocket for a while. Oh yeah. This thing. Oh yeah. They, they oh, were yeah. ready. Oh yeah. Oh, they yeah. were ready to go further and go and go further than what Roe was. They're ready for it. Big um, time. And you know, a friend of mine that listens to the program from time to time. We've <laughs> we've had disagreements about you know if Joe Manchin would would save the country on a few issues he thought he would and i didn't think he would and well you're you were right joe manchin joe manchin has stepped in a couple of times and i'm not going to say joe manchin is a conservative but i do believe that joe Manchin joe manchin has some principles that he just won't cross he won't cross that line and well, so. well this is this is a little scarier too now i don't think they're going to get 60 votes regardless which is what they need but uh, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, a lot of you know, they're pro-choice, and a right. lot of people were worried. Okay, are they going to hang in there? Are they going to vote with the Republicans? Are they going to vote against this Women's Protection Act? And uh, they did vote against this, but the two of them are coming up with their own bill to codify Roe mm-hmm. v. Wade. Mm-hmm. Now, again, they're going to need sixty votes. I don't think they'll get that, but uh, it, they would get over the fifty. Majority. I mean, they would get uh, those two. And I think Joe Manchin might vote for something like that. Joe came out and hinted that he couldn't vote for this, but he might vote for something else. And and they don't need 60 if they uh, just trash the filibuster, right? They could do it with a simple majority. Well, Cinema and um, uh, Joe Manchin have both said that they are not going to allow the filibuster to uh, slide. So they've, they've been pretty strong on that. Um, speaking of this whole SCOTUS thing, though, um, apparently there was another leak today. Now, it wasn't another opinion. It wasn't another case, but it was more information. It was a separate leak, but, some, but somebody else has leaked the uh, fact that they had discussions back when, when this 
prior to this first draft coming out that uh, Joe Manchin, uh, Joe Manchin, I've got Joe Manchin on the mind, that John Roberts was going to um, write his own opinion. He wanted to see Roe stay in effect, but at the same time, he wanted to give states more rights to do what they wanted to do. It sounded like, okay, we're going to keep Roe, but what he wanted to do would be allow the Dobbs case to succeed, that the the state of Mississippi could limit the number of weeks that abortions could happen. Um, the five other conservative justices said, no, we think Roe is bad law and we're going to do away with Roe. So that information was leaked out today. So that's obviously um, it's, it's just going to inflame the uh, lefty protesters, the woke crowd. Uh, it's also going to probably greatly irritate John Roberts and the rest of the Supreme Court uh, that were not involved in this leak. Uh, but again, you know, if you're uh, if you're part of the woke crowd, the ends justify the means. Mm. Yeah, it will be. You know, I Collins and uh, Collins and uh, Markowski. Markowski I, I think they will. If nothing else, they'll have it. They'll they'll have a show, what I call a show bill just to say that you know uh, that you know they're pro-choice and all that right. kind of stuff. Yeah. Just they'll yeah. circulate something. Getting back to uh, local politics, obviously that was the big lead story that just broke just minutes before we went on the air in terms of the vote. We got local politics. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, we got uh, we got more infighting. In got an that, election uh, going on, right? Yeah, we got some uh, electioneering going on, and uh, you know we've been following pretty closely this first congressional district race. Yesterday we had on Billy uh, Strickland, who was running in that race. The uh, and earlier in the week we talked quite a bit and I, was it Monday this story broke or was it last the end of last week I get my days mixed up but the, the whole um, give and take and the punches that are being thrown between Sandy Robertson and Sandy Smith. <laughs> well done, Clark. The. Uh, the Sandy Robertson camp has now sent a letter from their attorneys to the Sandy Smith camp <laughs> saying, <laughs> Set, uh, stop, stop airing these lies on your radio and television ads. Uh, they, in the letter they wrote, uh, in publishing this false advertisement that improperly ties Mayor Robertson, uh, Sandy Robertson, the mayor of uh, Rocky Mount, to the conduct cited, you are not only intentionally deceiving voters, but you're also defaming Mr. Robertson. We therefore demand that you immediately cease and desist from communicating these false and defamatory statements. We also demand an aired retraction acknowledging these statements were false and misleading and apologizing for airing them in the absence of such react, uh, retraction. Within 24 hours of your receipt of this letter, we reserve the right to pursue litigation on behalf of our client and to report the matter to the appropriate authorities. We hope that these steps will not be necessary. You know, unfortunately for Sandy Robertson, and I'm not an attorney, but I've been in broadcasting for a lot of years. You know, there's there are certain things that um, candidates are allowed to say and do. Now, I, I haven't ever heard of one candidate suing another for false statements. I'm sure it's happened. But if it has happened successfully, you'd be seeing that all the time. I mean, you'd be seeing uh, Pat McCory's camp right now in, in, you know, in federal court or some court 
suing the uh, club for growth and Ted Budd. Um, these, and first, and, and by the way, the, the broadcaster, the, the people that own the radio stations, they're obligated. They have to air, if you're a federal candidate and uh, you submit an, a, an advertisement to a radio station, now, I don't, you know, if, it's, if it was obscene and didn't pass the FCC requirements, there would be a conflict there that you probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have to air it. But the, when you're making certain um, statements about another candidate, uh, in other words, Henry Hinton, who's uh, owner of the station, he doesn't have a choice. He has to air these mm-hmm. ads. But um, I just don't I, – I don't see – I don't see Sandy Smith um, retracting what was, has been said – now she might, but I, I would be surprised if she did, and I I just don't see this end, end ending up being successful for Sandy Robertson. We'll see. Yeah, I, you know I I've I've read before on the on the law on the issue. Of course, I'm no lawyer, but I, I do know that in campaigns there's a lot more leeway about you know general general things that is said about the other candidate. I, th- I think you have to get really really specific and really personal for it to be. To rise to that level again, yeah. I'm I'm not an attorney, but uh, you know because we see it all the time. We see uh, all the time that um, I mean things are aired that's just hey, it's just not true. It's just kind of the way it's spun. So, speaking of uh, local politics, the um, WGHB out of Greensboro has got a, a new poll out, and not good news for Pat McCory. Looks like Ted Budd and uh, Donald Trump's chosen candidate in the North Carolina Senate race has built a dominant lead as voters cast their ballots in the Republican primary. Budd, the 13th district representative from Advance, North Carolina, got Trump's endorsement. Uh, It is now projected that he has 43 percent of the Republican vote. Hmm. So um, that is... uh, an increase, a five-point increase from the first poll that was conducted in April. I thought it would be more than that, but uh, it is uh, going in the right direction for Ted Budd. It's not going in the right direction for Pat McCrory. So, uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you, know, poll, you know, polls are sometimes they're accurate, sometimes they're not. It'd be interesting to see the independent vote and see see where that flows. You know, the independent votes, I think, has been pretty high so far, or unaffiliated, not independent, unaffiliated. So it'll kind of be interesting to see um, on on primary day just how many turn out. Well, what's interesting about this, too, is that uh, negative advertising works. McCory is down six points to 16% from the last poll. Wow. Mm. Mark Walker is interestingly up just a couple of points. I think last poll he was at... Um, 11%, I think he's up to 12% now. Or maybe it was 9%. Anyway, he he is slightly up. But uh looks like uh Ted if these if these numbers are right, you're right, there's uh, things could change, but uh, that that's a pretty big uh, percentage to uh, have yeah. to overcome. You know, in the other race that you mentioned the Sandy uh Smith and Sandy Robertson race, you know, who knows? It, it may all this back and forth may open up the door for another candidate. You know, kind of like, kind of like we just had a Kentucky Derby. Kind of like K- Kentucky yeah. Derby, you had the two two uh, favorite horses going neck to neck, and they're watching each other. And all of a sudden, somebody comes out. Uh, on the It'll out, be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, that very well could be. Um, and again, one of the things that we talked to uh, Billy Strickland off the air yesterday was, you know, what what is his 
you know, inside information on uh, on. I don't know that he's actually paid for a poll. And of course, you're going to be. You, you've got to be optimistic. If you're a candidate, you're you're always optimistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, down and. Until they say, sorry, bud, you lost, uh, you're going to be optimistic. But uh, he, he seemed genuinely optimistic when we asked him off the air, you know, w- what he thought his chances were. And I'd, I'd say that uh, of all the races that it really could be a Kentucky Derby, uh, Derby, a Kentucky Derby situation, it would be that first congressional race because there's so many people in it. And uh, this infighting between the two Sandys has really made it interesting. And you know, regardless of who wins in the primary, uh, how much damage is going to be do, done to the eventual winner when they go against uh, the Democrat nominee in the fall? I bingo, mean, bingo. Hey, we're going to take a time out. We come back. We're going to have another candidate for you, Tony Calden, who is uh, running in the third congressional district. Will be joining us. Stay with us. More news and views coming up. News and views. He's kind of a diva. He's absolutely fascinating. Ultimate gentleman spy. Irresistible to women, deadly to his enemies, a legend in his own time. You won't believe what he's going to say next on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here's Tom Lemprecht. Welcome back in. It is news and views for a Wednesday. Today is National Eat What You Want Day. Sounds like my kind of day. <laughs> I think there might be a hamburger in my future. Steak. Uh, looking at your weather forecast tonight, cloudy skies early, then off and on rain showers, likely a low around 55. Tomorrow, cloudy in the morning, scat- uh, scattered thunderstorms in the afternoon, a high of 71. Rain showers tomorrow night and uh, Friday. Thunderstorms likely a high of Friday on 78. And unfortunately, I'm sorry to tell you this, Saturday looks like rain too. Uh, it's not until Sunday we get back into the 80s with sunshine. So. Will we stay in the 80s or will it come back? Uh, we find ourselves in the 60s as we seem to uh, find ourselves over and over again. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Warmer weather is here. What a better way to enjoy the outdoors with family and friends than being greenside or poolside. Voted best golf course in Greenville three years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club is waiving all initiation fees. They want you to join in the fun and become a member today. Not a golfer? Ironwood's new social membership includes access to their competition-sized swimming pool, clay service tennis courts, and member-only full-service restaurant. For more information, contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Her number is 252-752-4653. Tony Cowden is running in the Republican primary for the 3rd Congressional District, the uh, U.S. House seat currently held by Dr. Greg Murphy. A race that is not as crowded as the Republican primary for the 1st Congressional District, but still there are five candidates in this primary race. Uh, He is in studio with us. Tony, welcome in. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, There are a lot of candidates in these races who are seeking office for the first time, which is great. I mean, I'm I'm thinking, uh, you know, this this is what we – when I first came to North Carolina back in the uh, early 80s, Hard to believe. I've actually lived more of my life here in North Carolina than I did in Maryland. I'm, I'm <laughs> that's how long I've been down here. But you used to be able to have the Republican convention in a uh, telephone booth. <laughs> and uh, now we see all kinds of folks running for office, which is a good thing. Uh, Tony, is 
is this your first jump into uh, politics? Certainly, certainly. You know, I've spent most of, well, all my adult life in the military or working for the intelligence agency. And so I've spent quite a bit, a considerable amount of that deployed and focused on, on that mission. Well, tell us your story. To Give us your background. Thank you for your service. Tell huh. us what you've done in the service, uh, your family, your life history, and most of all, why you think you're a good candidate for the uh, congressional seat uh, the number three. Yeah, uh, you know, there's, there's no thanks needed for, for service. It's an honor to be able to serve. I served as a Green Beret. Uh, I, you know, my, my dad let me watch Rambo First Blood when I was way too young in that <laughs> set you know my you're making me feel old you're making me feel old yeah yeah well you know that's all i ever wanted to do was you know wear that green beret and and serve and i was lucky enough to to pass all those selections that that you know well-known difficult qualification course and i did it right before 9-11 and that happened and wound up uh in afghanistan a few weeks after that and you know from then on out, it was just deployment after deployment. But backing up, you know, I'm I'm from the district. I'm actually the the only candidate in this race that is from the district and also lives in the district. You know, the with the redistricting, it, it placed uh, even the incumbent not living in the district anymore. And you know, I from the beginning, I, I said I would run wherever I lived, and uh, I just I don't. The whole carpet bagging thing and and moving around trying to select districts you know that old fourth district it would you know that i was originally in it was you know district shopping you know folks from all over the place were trying to run out there and uh you know clearly we have a little bit of that in this district as well but uh i was born and raised in pamlico county my dad was in the seafood industry my uncle and uh, my mom's side of the family they're all farmers and um you know two of the largest industries in the district pretty pretty familiar and most most of all familiar with the fact you know the the overregulation that the fishermen especially the commercial fishermen have to deal with my dad sold his business uh, he was done in the 90s and it's only gotten worse for him since mm. and uh, you know they're competing with for the longest time they're competing with you know the um, animal rights and and the turtles and now it's actually kind of funny. The fishermen and the turtle folks have actually teamed up against the Green New Deal folks who want to put windmills right off our shores, hmm. which create electromagnetic uh, interference. That's how you know the fish and the turtles navigate. It's going to disrupt so much. And uh, this Green New Deal stuff, you know, it's they're just not thinking through the second, third order effects of that stuff. But um, yeah, the um, wound up joining the army. All that kicked off the war and everything 2005 i broke my back and i uh, took a fall off a, a cliff and this they, is related to your service oh yeah oh yeah i was deployed at the time and um so didn't think i was going to be able to walk very well again and if ever uh, clearly the doctors didn't didn't call that one correctly but i had a flight packet in i was going to go fly helicopters and so i thought my career was over and i'd already done you know, Afghanistan, Iraq, I had a pretty awesome special forces career at that point. And I just didn't know where it could go from there. I'd made a lot of friends with the intelligence agency because special forces and, and that side of, uh, of the government work quite a bit together in wartime. And uh, so I called some friends over there and took a job. And within eight months, I was running again. And um, so I went from kind of a 
analyst-type job to an operational-type job uh, with basically what you would call the paramilitary side of the of the CIA. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks don't understand how that works, but basically the CIA doesn't have a mechanism for creating soldiers. And so when they need them in wartime, they hire out of the special operations community. And uh, so I wound up over there. I still I'm work. just curious, is that mm-hmm. considered a second career or is that... Uh... <laughs> you know, it, it, the mission is so similar only the difference is when you're in the in the military, a lot of times special operations are the main effort, as you would you know call it. Whereas when we're working for the intelligence agency, a lot of times we're supporting intelligence operations. So you're can be a little bit of a support role, even though you're still doing the same type of mm-hmm. action or uh, missions. But um, as a a contractor, I, I've always I've remained a contractor because. Ironically, I didn't want to live in Northern Virginia. And when you work full-time with the CIA, that puts you in Northern Virginia. Which, like I said, is kind of funny because here we are <laughs> as I'm applying with Eastern North Carolina for a job in D.C. But well, um, You can commute. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> you know, I, I think Get a, a sleeping of, bag uh, and commute back and forth. You know, I, I think a lot, of, you know, a lot of the representatives, they certainly, you know, they, they forget that they need to get out in the district. You know, as I go around the district, especially in the outer areas, the, the more rural areas, the fishing communities in Hyde, Dare, Pamlico, uh, down east, they've never seen or heard from their representative. Yeah. And they're, they're angry about it. Uh, well, geographically, it's a huge, it uh, huge district. It's yeah. got to be, you know, if you, if you did uh, the smallest, I mean, I, I, I grew up in Baltimore, and some of those districts were a couple of city blocks, and they come down here, and it's uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, bigger than the state of Delaware, probably. Don't quote me on this one, but... Uh, and, the, the word on the street is that the third district is the fourth largest district in the country. Uh, wow. I can't confirm that 100%, but even still, if it's in the top 10, it's still huge. And hey, we're going to take a time out. Stay with us. We're going to be back with more with Tony Calden, who's running for the uh, first, no, the third congressional district. We got first and third is metal first and third with two outs. Stay with us. You got uh, election day next Tuesday. So get ready for it. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. And welcome back in. Next Tuesday is primary day. Tony Calden, who is uh, running for the third congressional Republican uh, slot to uh, run uh, for Congress in November, is in studio with us. Uh, Tony, if you had to pick just one issue that you would say is the most important as it relates to preserving our freedoms and liberties as a country, if you can get it down to one issue, and that's a that's a tough question because there's probably four or five on the that you'd like to spout off. But what's the single biggest thing you think? That's well, no, actually not that difficult, though it includes hundreds of sub issues. It's returning our federal government back to its constitutional left and right limits. Yeah. The Constitution is plain as day what it authorizes the federal government to do and what it leaves to the states from the board of education to name an agency osha uh, cdc all of them none there's not one place in our constitution that authorizes those things 
That's all states' rights stuff. It's uh, the, the federal government has just been grown and grown and grown. No, no limits on spending, no limits on taxation. And, you know, our so-called representatives, right, the word representative is supposed to be an advocate of the people of their district. Well, you know, they go to D.C., they get wrapped up in party politics, and instead of working for the people they represent, they start working for the Speaker of the House or the party, and, you know, and that's just politics. That's, that's what we've all been told. Yeah. We have to accept this, and, and I, it's not the case. If, if the representatives put forth the Constitution first and a true effort of returning our nation and our government back to the Constitution— it could be done quickly, but there's, you know, no, there's no money or motivation to do so. Uh, how would you, how would you get to that point? What would you do to, to invigorate po- folks to get back to the yeah. Constitution? Uh, well, I, you know, clearly there's a demand for it. The people want it. The people are tired of our federal government. They're tired of our representatives blowing their money. I mean, emergency relief for the Ukraine yesterday for yeah. another 40 mil. Bill. Bill, excuse me. I say mill? Yeah, Yeah. no. Billion. All the while, here we are struggling. Average people can't pay their gas bills. No, we don't have baby formula. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, like I said, I had to sell a truck because I couldn't afford diesel fuel for it. And that's nothing. Uh, You know, heck, I was talking with Chris Falter, a fisherman in Pamlico County. He had to fill up one of his shrimp boats, $75,000 in diesel fuel. Right, and the boat wasn't empty. Yeah, so you know the people. That's a lot want, of shrimp. <laughs> you know, it, it's just like term limits, right? The people, both sides want it, yeah. and so why don't we get it? Because the representatives are fighting it. You know, uh, of over half of the representatives that claim they want their four term limits, they would lose their jobs if they actually did a. Well, I, I've said for a long, long time, <laughs> go ahead and grandfather those people in. It, it, just just so we could pass it. I mean, yeah. if you grandfathered them yeah. in, perhaps they'd vote for it. I'd, I'd be willing to do yeah. that. I mean, like I said, they're supposed to be our representatives. And at this point, it's clear that they're just not. T- Tony, on your website, looking at a couple of your issues that you talk about, you know, to your point, um, balancing the budget, tax reform, that type of thing. Um, you know, the federal budget... 2021 we had record federal tax revenue um and you know most most people democrats republicans alike that are not elected office you know 66 percent of our budget is social security medicare and medicaid so without health care reform and social security reform mm-hmm. we really can't move the needle regardless if we have a hundred percent tax rate so what's your ideas on reforming health care and social security to make social security viable for what it was for Well, over half of Medicare and Medicaid isn't actually given to the people in care. It's administrative costs. Mm -hmm. It's bureaucracy. If we had folks that actually ran our government like it was a business, like they were spending their own money, all that would go away. Medicaid and Medicare could be cut in half and still be as efficient, if not more efficient, than it's ever been. It's just... The fraud, waste, and abuse that we see, it, it's simply because our representatives don't care enough to fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the big pharma, you know, let's face it, when it comes to Medicare and Medicaid, the hospitals, big pharma, and that's what, what we're fighting here with the incumbent. You know, he supports 
Obamacare. He's all for it and has been. And he protects that you know hospital and Medicare, Medicaid uh, protections. He, that whole transparency, hospital billing transparency has fought it and fought it. You know, a representative, they're not supposed to represent corporations. They're supposed to represent their constituents. And that's the problem we have here in Eastern North Carolina as we speak. But yeah, it's, uh, it's just more intelligent allocation of funds, oversight, and some accountability. It, it's, it's absolutely insane how they just spend money, I don't know, like it's not theirs. <laughs> so should we send that two-thirds, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, back to the states and let that be a state issue? Or? Absolutely. I am a, very much a state's right person. The, the, like I said, the Constitution clearly defines what the federal government was and was not authorized to do. And nowhere in the Constitution does it talk about health care, right? Now, and I always say this, there is a clearly a legal means to amending the Constitution. We've done it a few times, right? Like when they uh, wanted to do an, you know, an income tax. A lot of Americans don't know that it's only been just over 100 years that there was a federal income tax. Right. And it took a constitutional amendment to get it, and they exploited nationalism and you know, patriotism to talk the American public into it. And now it's a monster. In 2016, um, you know, Donald Trump was in the White House. We had, we led the Senate and we led the House of Representatives, right. and nothing was done. What's let's just say 2000 this year, uh, we have the majority. Tony Cowden's in the in the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Yeah, you know that, that you, you asked me to start out with Tom. You know why am I running? That's why I'm running. A lot of folks, you know, we're clearly upset with liberals the progressives, but the Republicans that have laid down and compromised and compromised and compromised for decades, that's why I'm running. When I looked at the incumbents voting record, it was clear as day that when we do reestablish that Republican stronghold in all three branches again, we're just going to see another repeat, just another repeat where they don't repeal Obamacare, where they don't repeal gun rights, uh, infringements on our gun rights. You know, so one of the biggest things I have going for me, because let's be realistic, right? A freshman congressman, what exactly kind of power do they yield? Well, individually, not much. But there are eight Green Berets, to include myself, six Navy SEALs, and 30, 32 global war on terrorism veterans who are all fed up and running for the exact same reasons I am. How about that? You know, so if half of us get elected, you're Start. talking about, and, and three of those Green Berets are, are here in North Carolina, you know, kind of a pretty amazing thing, which is, is probably well, explainable. Well, I mean, it, the, we, we are a military yeah. uh, state, yeah. obviously. You know, for, for special forces and Green Berets, all roads lead to Fort Bragg. But, um, yeah, that's a caucus. If half of us, if a third, 10 of them, 10 of us global war on terrorism veterans get elected, that's serious influence. Let me ask you a couple of uh, uh, hard questions that if you win the primary, you're going to be asked in the general election. For sure. Um, first off, uh, you're, you're, you've got a public record, as we all do, and uh, this is, this is uh, public information, that um, you have a uh, – the public record says possible criminal records 50 found. Right. Uh, how, how are you going to explain that in the general election? Well, 
you know, the cool thing is we've already got it out of the way. The incumbent, since he can't defend his horrible voting record, he's gone nasty and just tried to attack me on my record, which was kind of funny because we had already put it out over in, when we were running in the 4th District, but more so back up 25 years when I filled out my first SF-86, which is the questionnaire for security clearance. Mm-hmm. I've maintained three top secret different types of top secret security clearances in three different government agencies for the last 23 and 18 years. So the answer is you can't have these types of clearances and be a criminal. I was charged with some stuff and it was all thrown out. Very, very plausible. Really but, but 50 times. Answer. Well, so if you look at a background check, every time a speeding ticket goes to court, Right, it's continued. So I get a speeding ticket, I deploy. Lawyer continues it till I get back. Right, every time it went to court and it was continued, it's on that record. On that record that was put out, same one I put out as well. There's there are uh, different charges on there that aren't mine. You know those, and if you read at the top of all those records, it says there's a disclaimer. You cannot trust this information. You actually have to go to the courthouses and pull public records. So when you do that, you find that some of them aren't mine. There's a uh, Anthony Wayne Scott Cowden in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And he's got like 170 different charges. He's been in prison. And a couple of his charges are actually on that background check that the uh, incumbent and his camp was was pushing around. Let me ask you another uh, question that's a little, little uh, sticky. In the Lincoln Day dinner down in um, Havelock, back on April 22nd of this year, mm-hmm. uh, there was uh, a, a pretty strong disagreement. And this, it, it, explain to us what exactly happened that night as the dinner was ending. Uh, I actually talked to the um, uh, district uh, director for the Greg Murphy campaign. And I, I tell you, she felt very, very intimidated. I don't think it was you so much as a couple of uh, gentlemen that were there with you. She just felt like they were um, getting in her space. It's at the point when I was talking to this woman, she called me with a story, but she literally, and I don't think it was a fake, Tony, she she was so upset she was in tears by the end of the phone call. What exactly happened? Well, night? yeah, you know, so I went to shake Greg Murphy's hand, you know, just give him that courtesy. And uh, he turned his back on me. And I was like, okay, I walked off. I, I spoke to, uh, you know, the, the district director, Lindy Robinson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's, here's a funny fact that you're not going to hear. But when I was running the fourth, you know, I've known Lindy uh, for a couple of years. She took me around and introduced me to some of Greg's donors. Well, and, I think that's one of the reasons she's yeah, so surprised that what yeah. happened on the well, 22nd. Well, so a lot of it's been very much exaggerated to the point in which the uh, you know, first district candidate, Sandy Smith, called me and told me that she heard that it got so out of hand that, Greg Murphy punched me in the face. <laughs> so that's how out of control this story was. I talked to Lindy. Uh, it was no big deal. The other two gentlemen that supposedly accosted her were never even close to her. Um, well, she said that she felt like they were in her space. So those, well, those are- and, and, you know, I mean, I don't know what the definition of someone's space is, but I know that Greg Murphy has flat out lied about what happened that night. There were at least 40 other people in that building. And the only people that corroborate his story are his staunch supporters. Other folks, now, so there's been a, an investigation by a, a third party, a private investigator. 
they're still waiting on the video camera footage because supposedly Lindy had to be escorted to her car because they were so afraid of what could happen in the parking lot. Um, I, I just the, the video surveillance is going to show a very opposite story of that. But the private investigator didn't just interview the folks that were there. Uh, former representative, NC representative Mike Speciali, who is very well known for being mm-hmm. an honest man, mm-hmm. was present. He saw nothing, heard nothing. If there was an altercation that scared people so badly, why didn't everyone else, except for a couple of people from Greg Murphy's camp, why didn't they see it? Um, like I said, Mike was there. His wife was there. Uh, who else? The, the GOP chair was there. We spoke for 20 minutes after the so-called incidents after Greg left. If also, it, let's face it, in this day and age, right, there was, it was goodbyes. People were taking photographs. Right. Cameras were everywhere. Why isn't this on video? Everything else is on video. Well, they would say it would happened as, as the event was closing down. Well, yeah, it was a, a photo op. Everyone was taking pictures and shaking hands and all that. Cameras were everywhere. So why wasn't it caught on anyone's camera? Not a single person. It's just not plausible. Oh. It didn't happen. Uh, oh, and we, I, I, <laughs> I hope you had a good time because we're out of time. We've got to take uh, another break. Uh, our producer is going to go bananas with me. Real quickly, though, it's TonyCalden.com. Yes. Real easy to remember. That's right. Uh, Tony, let me just say, uh, sorry to cut you off, oh, uh, Benny, but uh, thanks for running. I say that to all the candidates, Democrats, independents, conservatives. Uh, you, you put yourself out there, you make yourself vulnerable, and uh, thank you also for your service. Do appreciate it. No thanks needed on either, on either one. We need it. Stay with us, Benny. I'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. Apparently some technical difficulties with the uh, not having the uh, spots fired. So anyway, Benny and I are back. Um, by the way, do want to make mention this this was a breaking story but we had tony calden in and we really didn't have time to get to it but um and tony was talking about uh, people you know on the take up at the federal government national review released a story that was originated by an organization called open the books it's a nonprofit government watchdog organization dedicated to investigating into closing the many ways in which government spends and wastes money Guess who has been getting paid off since the early 2000s? Well, 2009 through 2014, both Anthony Fauci and former NIH director Francis Collins have received royalty payments from pharmaceutical companies over all those years. I mean, this is suspicions confirmed. This is unbelievable. Anthony Fauci, according to their report, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and the highest paid federal bureaucrat, Received now we don't know how much each payment was, but received twenty three royalty payments. Francis Collins from two thousand and nine to uh, twenty twenty one received fourteen payments. Now stop and think about the fact that there is a, a general estimate that total royalties paid between twenty ten and twenty twenty were three hundred and fifty million dollars from far wow. pharmaceutical companies. And here's the big thing. Now, I understand if you're a scientist and you've come up with, you know, some great discovery. Yeah, you ought to you ought to be getting some sort of royalty. They were not. They weren't scientists. No, they were an administration. And, and I saw as financial disclosure, you don't get that wealthy by just even being the highest paid yeah. employee. Thirty billion dollars. 